You're listening to the Choosing Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Robison. Every day we have the choice to walk in the freedom Christ offers or to lay it down in surrender to something other than the abundant life we are meant to live. God is actively pursuing you. He has an amazing plan for your life, and that plan includes walking in freedom. The Choosing Freedom Podcast is a place for us to discuss how we strategically apply the truth of who God says we are to the lies we believe and the challenges we face. So bring your brokenness, insecurities, and whatever holds you back and join us for authentic conversations about real issues, real hope, and real life change. Hey friends, no matter where you're joining us from today, we want you to feel so welcome. Being here means something about Jesus speaks to you. It shows that you know you're meant for more. It also means He's pursuing you. He's calling you for a purpose. And we all want to live out our purpose, right? I mean, no one goes around planning to not fulfill their calling. But if we are not intentional, the hours and the days and the years still pass just as quickly. But we miss the blessing. We miss the abundance and the favor. As I told you in the last episode, I'm always looking for life applicable ways to apply what I learned to whatever I'm facing on any given day. I am not looking for vague suggestions. I don't want to hear a good speech. I want specifics. And that's what I want to share with you. In our first episode, we talked about thinking about what we're thinking about, taking our thoughts captive. We looked at some of the lies we believe and also the weapons we use to combat those lies with the truth of our identity in Christ. If you haven't heard the first episode, I hope you will pause this one, go back and listen to that one first. There's a good bit of foundational material there that I believe will encourage you. In order to find our purpose and to grow in our relationship with God, we have to learn how to trust Him. I think the word trust is a pretty serious word. Our different life experiences give us varying opinions of what trust looks like, and those experiences greatly affect our perspective on whether trust is a good thing or something that leaves us feeling vulnerable. The definition of trust is the firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. With everything that's going on around us, it can be hard to navigate where and when we are safe to trust and when we need to keep things close to the vest. Our trust can feel easily broken and even violated. It can be really difficult to let our guards down and to let other people get close to us. But community is so important for us as we strive to claim everything we're designed for. We need a cheering squad. We need running mates. Every one of us, we all need someone in our corner. The number of people we allow into our close circle doesn't have to be huge, but we need our people for accountability, to challenge us to keep going to the next level, to remind us of the truths we have learned. Even Jesus picked his people, his closest teammates, if you will. It's also super important to be positioned to pour back into other people. It's essential for us to be proactively looking for opportunities to overflow what God has placed into our hearts On to others. People are hungry. Everyone is looking for fulfillment. And the more we understand about our identity in Christ, the more firmly established we are to develop healthy relationships and the more opportunities we will have to be a blessing. We have to figure out how to trust God and let that trust wedge its way into whatever situation we find ourselves in. 
Whether today is a seemingly normal day or it's just one more day of living through a series of exhausting and frustrating scenarios, we need the prevailing default of our minds to be our trust in God. So how do we trust God? Like really trust Him, as in take our hands off the wheel kind of trust Him. Well, how do we learn to trust anybody? We spend time with them. We text, we talk, we meet for coffee or over dinner. We find out their likes and their dislikes. We find out what things are important to them and we share what's special to us. We sort of size them up to see how much access we can afford to give them. Little bits at a time to see how they handle what we've entrusted them with so far. I mean, we don't share too much until we know they can handle it, right? I think all of us know what it's like to have our trust betrayed to believe we could give access to someone who did not have our best interests at heart. That betrayal can come in a lot of different forms and can leave a scar that we carry for a long time. But every once in a while, we find a friend who demonstrates a genuine interest in us. Their motives aren't self-serving. They make us feel welcome, comfortable, included. Basically, they aren't trying to take more from the friendship than they give. And if I happen to find out that that friend was talking positively about me to someone outside of my presence, like, they had my back when I wasn't around, that elevates their status even more. I love authentic people. They are literally like a breath of fresh air to my soul. Don't you love it when someone shows interest in you? Who doesn't want to feel like they're valued and appreciated, worthy of someone else's time? Proverbs 16.24 says that kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. An encouraging, affirming word at just the right time can be exactly what our tired spirits need. And it can also be a tool we use to validate someone else. Many times, we establish our relationship with words of affirmation early in life. Depending on how we were raised, we may have a good relationship with words of affirmation, or there may be pain associated with those words because they weren't given appropriately during critical times. And that can make it feel awkward to give those affirming words to others. Poor self-esteem, which is an identity crisis, can also make it difficult to receive words of affirmation. And this points us back to the importance of claiming our identity in Christ. When we don't claim the truth of who God says we are, it's hard for us to believe someone else sees value in us. And when we don't believe others see value in us, It's difficult for us to overflow the goodness of God onto anyone else. We need relationship with God. We need community. We need our people, the ones we can trust to point us in the direction of truth when we get distracted or misled. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 tells us that two are better than one, because if either of them falls, one can help the other up. In Galatians 3, we read that those in Jesus became unified in their love for God and one another, giving to one another as any had need. Trusting relationships are vital. Here are a few verses about trust. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. In Psalm 40, verse 4, we are told that blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Psalm 37, 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Romans 12, 12 instructs us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We do this with the Word of God, connecting to other believers, plugging into biblical teaching. We do it on purpose, 
every day intentionally. Knowing our true identity in Christ is the foundation for building all of our relationships. And that includes not only the relationships meant to build us up, but also the ones we are meant to invest in. We are simply not free for maximum impact without standing in the fullness of our identity. So let's talk life application. How do we keep claiming our identity, building relationship with God, and then how can that impact others so they can find freedom too? Let's take a moment to look at one of the biggest obstacles when it comes to standing in our identity and building relationships, comparison. Psychology Today published an article called The Social Comparison Theory. The article stated that people are constantly evaluating themselves and others in areas like attractiveness, wealth, intelligence, and success. It goes on to say that according to some studies, as much as 10% of our thoughts involve comparisons of some kind. Social comparison theory is the idea that individuals determine their own social and personal worth based on how they stack up against others. I'm going to venture out onto a slippery slope of social media for just a couple minutes. Please don't feel called out or offended because I brought up social media. I'm stepping on my own toes here. I have squandered more time than I ever want to admit scrolling. Anybody else ever hop on social media to make a quick post and before you know it, you're scrolling through pictures from someone else's vacation to an awesome place you've never been, insert a little coveting here, And soon you've clicked all the way through to more of their experiences that look more glamorous than yours, insert some comparison here, and eventually wind up finding a delectable recipe that you think would be fabulous to bake. But then you're reminded of those pounds you want to lose, insert negative self-image thoughts here, and all of a sudden you realize an hour has passed, an hour that you can't get back, an hour that left you feeling like an underachiever on multiple levels. What in the world are we doing to ourselves? What are we expecting social media to give us? Yet we are so willing to give so much of our time and mental energy over to it. The next time you hop on social media, try setting the stopwatch on your phone and check out how easily the minutes and sometimes hours fly by as you scroll. How quickly we get pulled into the culmination of picture perfect moments posted one after the other. What are we searching for? Why are we so fascinated with the private lives of others? And why do we seem obsessed with comparison? I heard someone recently issue a challenge to see how addicted we are to feedback from social media posts. Their suggestion was to post something you want to share and just leave it there. Don't look, don't refresh, just walk away. Don't follow to see how many likes or comments you get for one week, a whole week, like seven days. However that makes you feel might be a pretty good indicator of how attached you are to the affirmation of others. Theodore Roosevelt was quoted as saying, comparison is the thief of joy. That's a great quote to jot down and tape to your mirror. Galatians 1.10 says, for am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? Proverbs 29.25 tells us that the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. There's no judgment here, just a call to be intentional. Think about what you're thinking about. Are we unintentionally setting ourselves up for disappointment by continuing to compare the mundane normalcy of our daily lives with the most attractive, post-worthy glamour shots of others? So many of us are desperate for approval. 
When we are stuck in the mindset of people-pleasing, of constantly trying to measure up and desperately longing for the approval of others, we are forgetting that God has already given us His approval through Jesus. And that desperation, that's fear, friends. Fear that we won't be seen in the way our hearts long to be understood. Isaiah 43.1 says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Romans 15.7 tells us we are accepted. When we step into a room full of our peers, are we walking in with our hands reaching out, grasping to feel validated, begging someone to make us feel like we belong there, like we are good enough to hold our own in that space? Or are we claiming the truth that God has already accepted us? So when we step into a room of our peers, our hands can be open, giving away the gift we have already been given. We can pull our shoulders back and walk in from a position of freedom because we are not there to ask anybody to fill our cup with acceptance. What are you believing about who you are today? Can you walk into any room and feel confident no matter who else is present? If that's an issue for you, as it certainly has been for me, ask God to reveal to you where that thought is coming from. Lord, what is it in me that rises up and makes me feel like I am less than anyone else in this room? Take this way of thinking captive and make it obedient to you in Jesus' name. And then look for someone else who may need that word of truth. Pray for the courage to seek God's approval over everyone else's. That may sound something like, Father, you call me by name and you pursue my heart. Help me lay down this deep longing for the approval of others and pick up the acceptance your son died to give me. Teach me to have that kind of courage. In Jesus' name. But our only goal can't be to halt the thoughts of comparison. We have to replace those thoughts with the truth of our identity. Genesis 1.27 tells us that we are created in the image of our Heavenly Father. He understands our differences, how we think, the needs we have, the struggles we face. We are designed in His image. He gets us. Don't we connect better when we know someone else understands our needs, our desires, our shortcomings? He understands all of those things and still He pursues us. Prayer is our lifeline. Ask Him to reveal to you how He really feels about you. God, what do you want me to know about being designed in your image? How does that impact my everyday life? In Galatians 4, 7, we are reminded that as a child of God, we are also heirs. The definition of an heir is a person who is legally entitled, a person inheriting and continuing a legacy of the one who went before them. We've talked about how God's word tells us that we are chosen in Ephesians 1.4. We are God's child in John 1.12, his handiwork, Ephesians 2.10, his friend, John 15.15. All of these verses are confessions of God's love for us. We are fiercely loved so that we can fiercely love others. Are we living in that mindset? How would today look differently for us if we lived like we believe that? Like we honest to goodness are the sons and daughters of a king who said we are the apple of his eye. This is how we grow our relationship with God. We take what he says about us and make it personal. Side note, remember you can pause this podcast at any time and talk to God about what you're hearing. Ask him what he wants to show you about himself today. Give Him a chance to lead you, to show you something new. When you're trying to hear from Him, take a couple minutes to quiet yourself. 
I've already told you this is a struggle for me, so don't stress if you feel like sitting and listening isn't in your wheelhouse right now. That doesn't freak God out. I'm asking if we could just set aside a four to five minute block of time today, tonight, as soon as you can, to only use your phone for searching scripture and maybe just set a timer for two or three minutes to just listen. Just switch it to do not disturb or turn that volume off. It will pass so quickly. But those small segments of time will retrain the way you think and prove that you can accomplish great things in short amounts of time. Just try it. Earlier, we talked about how easily we give our time over to social media. It's interesting how difficult it can sometimes seem for us to set aside literally a couple of minutes to come before the only one who can actually alter our outcomes, the one who wants to give us the desires of our hearts. Rachel Lampa and Andrew Ripp recorded a song called Somebody to You. And part of the chorus says, and I'm going to try to do this without humming, don't got to be somebody when I'm already somebody to you. Got nothing to prove anymore, so there's nothing to lose anymore. I love that phrase, nothing to prove anymore, so there's nothing to lose anymore. That sounds like freedom to me. I had the privilege of leading a Bible study with some amazing college students. I asked them if they had ever had the experience of being at a party and feeling intimidated when a certain person walked in the room. Their responses were unanimous. Everyone understood that feeling. I think it's a universal emotion that none of us are proud of and few of us talk about. It's no fun to get all dressed up and bring your A-game only to realize no matter how prepared you thought you were, there's always someone who seems to have an advantage. Better hair, nicer shoes, more charm, stronger or fitter body parts, higher grades, superior abilities, more money. But comparison can't be an excuse for us anymore because we've been learning about how the enemy lies and manipulates us with thoughts that don't agree with who God says we are. One of the challenges we took away from our time together in Bible study was to compliment the person who intimidates us. Does that make your skin crawl just a little? Because it did mine. But you know what? I learned that the person we feel most intimidated by does not always feel like the most intimidating person in the room. Sometimes they too are exhausted from trying to meet so many expectations. Right now, right where you are, God wants you to know that you are the one who catches His eye. You are the one who is worth sacrificing everything for. You are the one He designed to do the things that no one else was designed to do. You are equipped. Someone is waiting for you to do what you're called to do, and your calling matters. Stand in your identity and choose your freedom. Thank you for listening to the Choosing Freedom podcast. If this episode blessed you, please help others find us. First, we hope you will subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Then if you're enjoying the show, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. This makes it easier for others to find us and it is a great way for us to get to know a little bit about you. We would also love for you to share this episode with someone you care about. You can follow Choosing Freedom on Instagram and Facebook at Choosing Freedom Podcast and on Twitter at I Chose Freedom 23. If you or someone you know have a testimony that relates to your freedom in Christ and you would like for us to consider reading it on a few episode, email us at choosingfreedompodcast at gmail.com. We are so grateful for you and look forward to our next time together on the Choosing Freedom Podcast.